You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with another episode of the Millennial Travel Podcast. And today I am doing another solo episode. We have some really good content to crank out. Uh, interviews, of course, but I want to keep going through our new series on solo travel. And today we want to dive in to a region, a region of the world, an undiscovered gem in most of our backyards, assuming that most of our listeners are from the United States of America. And I want to go through our blog post, the top solo travel destinations in the United States. It is an enormous country spanning 3,000 miles from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, look, there's a lot to explore. A lot of us in 2020 had the opportunity to get out into this massive country, which thank God it's so big because we have space to spread out. Uh, just try driving across it as I did this summer. So I took my experience now seeing over, over, no, not over 50 different states. I have seen all 50 states. Of course, there's a lot more to see within those states, but I have very superficially uh, checked the boxes on these states. As some of you guys might know, I am not a country counter, but uh, it's the state thing is something that I've known since I was a little kid, which states I've been to, which states I haven't. And when you can check them all off, you gotta do it. So I am here in New England at the moment in the middle of a blizzard, a nor'easter, and well, if you hear some snow plows in the background, I apologize for that, but let's get it started. So the United States is known for the national park system, which is enormous for people who love to go camping and hiking. There are tons of solo travel destinations to explore. This country is very diverse in terms of landscape, has tons of awesome cities to check out. And the biggest question is where to go? I mean, it depends what you're trying to get into, but I'll try to break it down for you. So this is a guide to recommendations where to travel in the United States with a specific focus on outdoor activities and U.S. national parks. There's a lot to get into in the cities, of course, but that is the less common as we are still riding out a pandemic. Hopefully everybody gets vaccinated and we're back to normal soon. But uh, of course, we're going to focus on destinations where you can go uh, most safely. So if you want to follow along, you can go to under30experiences.com slash blog and you can find the top solo travel destinations in the United States there on the blog. So New England, where I am talking to you from right now. New England is best in the summer and autumn. Uh, autumn has the amazing fall foliage and you can find good skiing in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont uh, during the cold winters. New England has tons of shorelines and also inland lakes. Boston, Portland, and Burlington are three really great cities to explore. Uh, this area of the country is quite expensive, especially when traveling solo. So if you're gonna hit places 
like Newport, Block Island, Cape Cod, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, definitely bring your checkbook. Um, who says that? That that just like dates myself, I guess. Um, geez, too soon I'm going to be too old for under 30 experiences. But if you like history, there's no shortage of famous places to visit like Plymouth and Salem, Massachusetts. And the crown jewel, in my opinion, of New England is Acadia National Park in Bar Harbor, Maine. Bar Harbor is another pretty expensive little town, uh, but Acadia is New England's only official U.S. National Park. You can get fish and chips, Maine lobster, visit Cadillac Mountain at sunrise, a kayak, kayak off Frenchman Bay and Mount Desert Island. Of course, we run a trip there with under 30 experiences, so I'll give a little shameless plug there. Uh, moving to the Mid-Atlantic. This region of the United States evolves around the major cities of New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C. These cities are amazing, but again, I'd like to focus this guide on outdoor destinations. Uh, the surrounding area of these cities have great outdoor recreational destinations. You have the Catskill Mountains in New York, along with the Adirondacks, the Finger Lakes, um, both the North and South Forks of Long Island, including the Hamptons and Montauk. Uh, again, bring your... Bring your uh, Hmm. your high credit limit on your credit cards. I guess that's what we do these days. Um, in Pennsylvania, you'll have lots of history in, uh, in Philadelphia, and then you have the Poconos nearby, uh, lots of Dutch, Quaker, and Amish cultures to explore, uh, lots of good, you know, cheeses and, uh, yeah, Amish home goods. The Quakers make really good. That, Pennsylvania Dutch, I mean, it's, it's pretty darn famous. Um, and also rich in history, most notably Gettysburg National Battlefield. And then Jersey, you probably know it for the 130 miles of Jersey Shore, which are the popular summer destinations from people from New York and then in Philly who tend to gravitate towards South Jersey. Uh, Maryland and Delaware have several coastal destinations, including Annapolis, a place that I've never been, really wanna to get to Annapolis. It's a sailing town, home of the US Naval Academy. Then you have Ocean City, the ever popular beach town and Bethany Beach, a popular bachelor and bachelorette party destination. Uh, you got to try your blue crab cakes, Old Bay seasoning, uh, if you like MSG that is. Um, don't quote me on that. Also don't sue me on that Old Bay seasoning, but um, you know I'm an advocate for people's health. Don't overdo it on the Old Bay. Uh, walk around Baltimore's Inner Harbor including the National Aquarium. I had a really fun time in Federal Hill uh, with my college buddies. One of them lives in Baltimore, went to Orioles game. Then you can move south and you have Washington DC, which is of course the capital of the United States, tons of museums, historic government landmarks, uh, March and April are great for cherry blossom season. And an hour or two outside of the Beltway, you have Shenandoah National Park. Uh, it has huge amount of black bears, a Skyline Drive, Appalachian Park, uh, Appalachian Trail that is last summer. I stayed at the Rustic Big Meadows Lodge. Shout out to our previous podcast 
guest, Hannah Pinkerton, who we talked about van life with, who recommended Big Meadows Lodge uh, to me, and I really enjoyed it. And then finally, Virginia. We're starting again in the south. You're going to start to see a little bit different culture, but um, be sure to drive the Blue Ridge Parkway and Enjoy the wine drive through the Appalachian Mountains. If you like history, you have the Civil War battlefields, national monuments in West Virginia. Everybody tells me I need to go whitewater rafting. And if you want to go camping, but you need some tips, check out our beginner's guide to camping. All you have to do for that is go to under30experiences.com in the top right hand corner. Uh, at least if you're looking at it on desktop where I usually do, uh, you can then just grab the pull down on resources and you'll be right there, beginner's guide to camping. Now, into the south. So you're looking for warm weather, slower pace, southern hospitality, some good home cooking. The south might just be what you are looking for. Uh, I would throw on a southern accent, but uh, we have a lot of good people who are from the south who might be think my southern accent is a little bit over the top. Uh, starting on the east coast, you have historic coastal cities amazing downtowns like Charleston, South Carolina, Savannah, Georgia. The Outer Banks of North Carolina would be my pick for the most incredible beaches, great sand dunes, windsurfing, kiteboarding, and surfing. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina is another beach destination known for touristy beach activities and golf. Uh, working our way inland, North Carolina and Tennessee offer the Great Smoky Mountains National Park usually accessed from Asheville and Bryson City from the east and Pigeon Ford and Gatlingburg from the west. And there are tons of camping, hiking, amazing things in North Carolina like barbecue. And uh, be sure to check out the hip city of Asheville, one of our favorites. Another shameless plug, we have a 130 experiences trip from Asheville into the Great Smokies. All right, some cities in the south that you might enjoy be Atlanta, Nashville, and Memphis. ATL Airport is a great hub for cheap flights on Delta all over the country. Nashville, of course, is the home of country music. Great little town just outside of it called Franklin, Tennessee that you ought to check out. Uh, put your blue suede shoes on to walk down Memphis's Beale Street, the home of Elvis Presley. Head further south to the Gulf Coast, known for its white sandy beaches. New Orleans and the Bayou have a distinct culture of their own. Venture out from Bourbon Street in the Frenchman Quarter, uh, in the French Quarter, to Frenchman Street, where the locals go. Be sure to understand the French Creole influences and go out at night to see local song and dance. New Orleans is famous for its unique cuisine, including po'boys, jambalaya, crawfish, gumbo, red beans, and rice. Uh, prices will be higher near Mardi Gras, peaking on Pat Fat Tuesday in the late winter. And remember that football is religion in New Orleans. Finally, if you can make it out to Hot Springs, Arkansas, I would recommend Hot Springs National Park. It's a lesser known destination in this region quaint downtown, plenty of hot pools to relax in, nice hikes in the National Park. I enjoyed my trip to Hot Springs National Park. It was about 
six and a half hours from Austin, and we'll get to Texas quickly uh, in a moment here. But first, I got a loop in Florida. Uh, I would have put Florida in the south, but this state deserves a category of its own. God, it could be a country of its own for uh, all, all we know, right? Uh, the Sunshine State boasts incredibly, incredible sandy beaches on both the Atlantic, which has bigger waves, and the Gulf of Mexico, known for its white sand. Florida also has two national parks, the Everglades and the lesser known Dry Tortugas, accessible only by boat or ferry, which is on my bucket list. I've been going to Key West, Florida for 30 years and uh, I never got there. But parts of Florida will seem like the deep south, especially in the northern part of Florida near the Panhandle, while South Florida, especially Miami, will feel more like Latin America. So make your way all the way down Florida Keys to Key West, as I said, eat Cuban food, snapper, key lime pie, enjoy some of the best snorkeling and fishing in the world. And then you've got Texas. Uh, if we know one thing about Texas, it's that people love their outdoor activities, including hunting, fishing, camping, and of course, owning a pickup truck. I don't know if that's an outdoor activity in itself, but I had to put that in the article. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas, as you know. One of Texas's most Famous solo travel destinations is the dog city, dog friendly city of Austin. Uh, it's a foodie city with great Tex-Mex, barbecue, as well as focus on outdoor activities like kayaking, canoeing, paddleboarding on Lady Bird Lake and Lake Travis. Uh, get outside of Austin into the hill country for more barbecue and starry nights. Avoid the sweltering hot summer months. I can't urge that enough. Uh, and know that prices will be inflated for a couple weeks in the fall uh, for ACL, uh, Austin City Limits Music Festival, and for a couple weeks in the spring for South by Southwest. And uh, I lived in Austin, as most of you guys know, and uh, I really enjoyed it, especially for the healthy food options, Juice Land and the Soup Peddler being two of my favorites. Texas's major national park is Big Bend, which borders Mexico Parque Nacional Canyon de Santa Elena. Uh, be sure to check out Rio Grande Village, Boquillos, and Chico's Basin. And while you're in the area, head into New Mexico, just over the border to Guadalupe Mountains National Park and Carlsbad Canyons, just a short drive away. And then San Antonio boasts the home of the Alamo. So be sure to take a stroll down the Riverwalk. Uh, Houston and Dallas are hubs for United and American Airlines respectively, so you can look for cheaper flights out of these major cities. Now we get into one of my very favorite regions in the United States, the Southwest. So <clears throat> the Southwest has a ton to offer in terms of outdoor activities, camping, and hiking. Uh, keep in mind that drive times are long in the Wild West. So this is, you know, a lot of our country is desert. We don't think about it. But uh, I would recommend road for a road trip, flying into the major cities of Salt Lake City, Phoenix, Las Vegas, or Santa Fe. Uh, probably the first three are going to be cheaper flights. And of course, you can decide to spend some time in Sin City. Uh, don't forget, there's a lot of good hiking near Las Vegas. Again, it gets really hot in the summertime, so keep that in mind. It also gets cold 
during uh, the, the nighttime. So you got to watch out. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, national parks in this region include arches and canyon lands near Moab, Bryce Canyon, and Zion in southwest Utah, and Saguaro National uh, near Tucson, Arizona, and of course, the Grand Canyon. Uh, on our blog post, we have a link to some hikes in Zion to consider. Uh, there are tons of national monuments, including Navajo Nation's Monument Valley Park. There's no shortage of incredibly scenery, rock outcroppings, desert sunsets and sunrises, incredible stargazing. Uh, be sure to bring plenty of water on hikes. And again, remember that it gets cold at night depending on elevation. Then into the Rocky Mountains. Uh, the coolest big city in the Rocky Mountains is definitely Denver. It's a great sports town, music town. Uh, the residents live lives devoted to the outdoors, it seems. There's great food and craft beer in Denver. Uh, the neighboring towns like Boulder are really cool as well. These towns are packed with active young people, so they're great for solo travelers. Now, just a couple hours from Denver and Boulder, you'll find the Front Range ski towns like Breckenridge, Vail, Aspen, and Winter Park and a lot of ski resorts in this area like Arapahoe Basin, Keystone, Loveland, and Copper Mountain. Uh, skiing and snowboarding is great for solo travelers because of the ease of meeting people on a ski lift or in the lodge. Colorado is known for its 14ers, which are the 58 14,000 foot mountains. And uh, those are for the most adventurous people who really want to, uh, to climb at elevation or to hike at elevation. For the west in Colorado, you have the San Juan Skyway, which I really loved. And that includes, of course, uh, the, the mountain towns of Silverton, Uray, uh, Telluride. And Colorado is home to four national parks, including Rocky Mountain, Mesa Verde, uh, Black Canyon of the Gunnison, and Great Sand Dunes. North of Colorado, you have the state of Wyoming, which is an incredible western feel. Jackson, Wyoming is the gateway to the Grand Teton National Park in Yellowstone. This summer I drove through Jackson, through the Tetons and, and Yellowstone to Big Sky in Bozeman, Montana. Hit Old Faithful and uh, various other geothermal geysers. Hiked around Jenny Lake, spotted elk and bison. Uh, I need to go back on Under 30's Grand Teton and Yellowstone trip to go wildlife spotting because we go with an expert guide to see the wolves and grizzly bears, which I did not get to see. Well, I was out there on my own. And finally, if you can get all the way north, you should absolutely check out Glacier National Park, which borders Waterton Lakes National Park of Canada. And be sure to check out the Highline Trail at Logan Pass and Lake McDonald. What about North and South Dakota? Yes, that's right. I am recommending visiting the Dakotas. Make your way back east like I did. And uh, I would recommend these undervisited states. I think it was really cool. This whole area is called the Badlands. Uh, North and South Dakota are home to three U.S. national parks, the Badlands Wind Cave and Theodore Roosevelt, which I went to. Of course, the most famous attraction in this area is Mount Rushmore National Monument. I don't know how I feel about just carving out a mountain. It's just big faces of humans, but uh, that's neither here 
or there. You can go and make your own judgment, I guess. But on my trip to North Dakota, I saw bison, prairie dogs, feral horses, and pronghorn. And that's more wildlife than I saw in Yellowstone. Next up, the Midwest and Chicago. While many Americans consider much of the Midwest flyover states, mainly known for agriculture, there's a lot to be discovered in this area of the country. And just as an aside, I know we have a lot of red versus blue going on, not to get into politics, rural versus urban, but one of the great ways to get to know this country is to drive across it and you see how the other side lives, uh, depending on where you're from. I think that's incredibly important. One of the big reasons that we travel so we can do this within our own country as well and observe the culture and how things work. Uh, but moving on, Chicago, which I think is really an East Coast city, at least it has that feel. It's known as Second City, second to New York, of course. It's a great place for solo travel, especially in the summer. I spent a summer as an intern in Chicago. I was on the beak in Lake Michigan uh, every weekend playing volleyball, exploring the 18-mile lakefront trail, enjoying the neighborhoods where young professionals hang out like Wrigleyville and Lincoln Park. Definitely get to Wrigley Field if you can. That's really a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see a ball game there. And then the Great Lakes region has a ton to offer, <clears throat> including a lot of areas designated as National Lakeshore. Minnesota is known for its 10,000 lakes, and I was surprised to learn that Wisconsin actually has more lakes than its rival, Minnesota. I stopped by in Madison, Wisconsin to see a friend of mine from college, and uh, he told me that fun fact uh, as a proud Wisconsinite. And he said it actually depends on how you measure a lake, um, which I don't know the details, but I thought that was funny. Did fact check uh, for the article. Madison is a great small city on the lake of their own, home to U University of Wisconsin. Uh, Cayuga Valley National Park in Ohio is one of the largest national parks in this region. Uh, more things to check out as a solo traveler in the Midwest, Ann Arbor. Kansas City, Gateway Arch National Park in St. Louis. And then of course, kind of skipping around here uh, ge geographically, but you have California. So California is home to more national parks than any other state. The nine national parks in no particular order are Redwood, Yosemite, Sequoia, Kings Canyon, Death Valley, Joshua Tree, Channel Islands, Lassen Volcano, and pinnacles. California boasts every different type of landscapes, including 1,700 glaciers. I was shocked by that number. The Pacific Ocean, Cascade Mountain Range, some of the hottest deserts on Earth. Uh, even they border Baja, Mexico. Uh, there's an abundance of camping and hiking and outdoor activities in the state. Lake Tahoe is an incredible area, not just for skiing, but hiking, mountain biking, stand-up paddleboarding. Uh, rounding out your trip to the Bay Area, you should also see some of the vineyards in Napa and Marin County for some world-renowned wine. Uh, we have a link in our article to a few hikes near San Francisco that we recommend. And California, of course, couldn't be mentioned without talking about the popular tourist cities, including San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. We highly recommend driving the Pacific Coast Highway 
from San Francisco to LA with stops in Big Sur, uh, San Luis Obispo, uh, Santa Barbara, Ventura, Santa Cruz Island, Malibu, Santa Monica, and Venice Beach. And we have a link for the best parts. Parks in California there on the Under 30 Experiences blog. Now, making our way north to the Pacific Northwest. The four main national parks in the Pacific Northwest are Olympic, North Cascades, Mount Rainier, and Crater Lake. Uh, from gray whales to grizzly bears, this region of the country offers incredible diversity, including diversity of landscape that is amazing volcanoes. Uh, and this is on the ring of fire here on the Pacific coast that, you know, even includes Indonesia, right? On the other side, Alaska, Chile is all part of this ring of fire with all the volcanic activity. Most places up there, uh, oh, I mean, Seattle and Portland, that is, I skipped ahead a little bit, but it has excellent craft beer and music, great coffee culture, temperate weather, laid back West Coast lifestyles. Um, and But keep in mind if you go camping and hiking in this area that rainfall can be abundant, so be prepared. And then Alaska, the last frontier, America's largest state. And I think it needs to be on everybody's bucket list. While some people see Alaska by cruise, I always try to dissuade people from participating in this type of big box tourism and find more sustainable options that allow you to get a deeper look at a place. You know, cruise ships, well, I think cruise ships are gonna be uh, pretty out of style for uh, a bit here still, but yeah, they're, dirty let's say that uh they pollute a ton most of them are incorporated in you know liberia so they don't pay any taxes uh on and on i could go on about cruise ships but they people get off they don't spend much money they get back on they eat all their meals on the, on the boat etc etc so i would suggest actually going to alaska for yourself there are eight national parks including denali Gates of the Arctic, Glacier Bay, Katmai, Kenai Fjords, Kabuk Valley, Lake Clark, and Wrangell St. Ilias. I hope I pronounced those correctly. Many of these parts, parks are extremely remote and difficult to reach, so people usually stick to a southern itinerary, starting from Anchorage, going around in this area. Uh, that's what I did. I've had the opportunity to visit Alaska twice. And you can access the great outdoors very quickly right in the city of Anchorage. So one of my favorite hikes was just starting down the coastal trail in Elderberry Park. And uh, my first stop outside of Anchorage was in the town of Girdwood, really cool place. There was an Oktoberfest event going on and then I went back to ski at Elieska. Uh, I went down the Kenai Peninsula where you have the towns of Seward, Homer, uh, Ketchumac Bay State Park, and of course, Kenai Fjords National Park. Then you can head up to Denali National Park, uh, stopping in the little town of Talkeetna. There's not a ton to do here, but it's a nice little gateway to Denali. It's full of charming little lodges, so try to stay local wherever possible. 
most uh, of the cruises will bring you to these big box places again and you know it, it does a little to does very little to support the the local people imagine it must be hard to make money in alaska so keep that in mind when you travel to these places um, also food is a little bit more expensive in alaska so keep that in mind as well because a lot of stuff has to be shipped in you know probably not growing a lot of vegetables and, and fruit up there then we get to a place where they do grow a lot of vegetables and fruits, um, Hawaii. It's another place on a lot of people's bucket lists. Don't be fooled by uh, the reputation and think it's only place for couples to take their honeymoon. Solo travelers really love Hawaii. So many people start their trip in Honolulu, get over the jet lag on Waikiki Beach. Diamond Head is a great warm-up hike. Uh, Waikiki is a great place to take a beginner surf lesson. This area, you know, can get crowded and, and touristy, but it's world famous and I really enjoyed it. Um, solo travelers have a ton of coffee shops, breweries, yoga studios, healthy restaurants, really nice communities. It was easy to, to just start chatting with people and, and make friends. Um, this atmosphere, again, I think it was easy to meet people. You can consider uh, visiting Pearl Harbor National Memorial. I rented a car on Turo and I drove around the island of Oahu to the North Shore. Uh, there are tons of little beaches to choose from with enormous waves when the surf is up. The Big Island is home to Hawaii uh, Volcanoes National Parks where you can see lava flowing straight from the source. Keep in mind that uh, Hilo is on the windward or rainy side of the island, while Kona is on the leeward or drier side. And as the name suggests, the big island is quite large. So plan to divide your time between probably both sides of the island uh, if you want and you have a ton to offer. I think the big island is the least expensive island and is best for budget travelers. If you like the outdoors, etc. Of course, uh, get some fish pokey, seaweed salad. If you go to Maui, um, oh geez, my Hawaiian's not so good, uh, but there's a national park there that I won't try to pronounce just because I'll embarrass myself, but it's known for its incredible sunrise. Lots to learn about Hawaiian history and culture. Uh, this wasn't all, you know, this wasn't part of the United States until fairly recently in history. So keep that in mind as well. Um, understand that they were a self-sufficient nation with their own food, language, music, dance long before imperialism. And then finally, Kauai, a place where my wife really loves, is a nature lover's paradise. The backdrop for many movies uh, set in the rainforest. There are plenty of hiking trails um, in the Sleeping Giant mountain range. Uh, yoga practitioners, like my wife, love Kauai. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to urge people to get outside. I know we've been cooped up during quarantine, but the United States is filled with amazing outdoor adventures. Um, I know we just focused this guide on national parks and gateway cities. There's countless other national and state forests, national monuments, wildlife preserves, national historic trails, memorials, and recreational areas. There are also over 10,000 state parks in the United States. So, you know, if you don't have a travel buddy, just get out there. Solo travel can be incredibly liberating. Uh, if you don't want to plan your trip, of course, you can check out our 
USA hiking and camping trips with under 30 experiences. We're gonna be running a lot through the spring and summer and even to the fall. So I can't wait to just see more people exploring the United States. And uh, yeah, grateful that you listened this far. I hope it provided a lot of value and we're gonna to continue to go in depth on the Under 30 Experiences blog and highlight these types of uh, beautiful places around the United States, but that was a very broad overview. You can also get the ultimate guide to being a solo traveler if you want to start from scratch and learn about flight tips and all that. And the Millennial Travel Guidebook is available on Amazon. Escape more, spend less, make travel a priority in your life. Finally, uh, again, with under 30 experiences, we're having a sale coming up in the next couple of weeks, so look out for that where you will be able to get the early sign-up price by just putting $195 down. And uh, again, thank you for listening. If you want to reach out to me directly, find me on Instagram, Matt Wilson TV. Let me know what you thought. Thank you so much.
Japan. This is one of the safest countries for solo travelers, known for its polite people. Uh, fly into Tokyo, taste authentic sushi. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce all of these words. I did start studying a little Japanese, but uh, I can't count to over a thousand, but I cannot pronounce anything. Uh, there's amazing fish market there, different shrines, uh, the electric town, you know, is, is a hub for J-pop, anime, uh, manga, so many things that you, you've heard about or you've, you've read about. Um, I mean, a sumo wrestling match, <laughs> going to see uh, Mount Fuji out there and one of their national parks. We can ride the bullet train to Kyoto. Uh, there's uh, incredible temples. Again, I would love to spend a little time on a monastery uh, out there studying some Zen. Karaoke is one of Japan's favorite pastimes. My brother has a ton of uh, Japanese friends and they love to go out for karaoke, which is always a fun time. Japan also has great beaches in Okinawa. Okin Okinawa, excuse me, as well as excellent skiing in the northern region of the country. Fun fact, a lot of uh, people from Hawaii actually go to Japan to go out and ski. All right, China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Uh, a lot of people, solo travelers specifically, may be hesitant to travel to China alone, um, but Hong Kong and Taiwan offer great starter locations because uh, they allow you to understand Chinese culture and influence probably without the amount of uh, overwhelm that you might experience going to China. Uh, and if you do go to China, focus on the thousands of years of history, the Great Wall of China, the Forbidden City, Tiananmen Square, the Terracotta Army, all that stuff. In Hong Kong, uh, I would go up to Victoria Peak. I love seeing these cities from above. There's uh, bays in Hong Kong. And of course, the largest Buddha in the world is there in Hong Kong. And then in Taiwan, go up the Taipei 101 and get dumplings at Din Tai Fung. You will not regret these dumplings, I swear to you. All right, Thailand, amazing country. Everybody's heard good things about it. Uh, flying to Bangkok. Definitely is overwhelming, but do uh, do the best that you can. Try to get to some of these tourist attractions early, especially if you go to the Grand Palace or the reclining Buddhas. What I really enjoyed doing was go, I would go to these uh, temples and yeah, I would, I would see the sites, take my pictures, uh, read a little bit about it. And then I would just duck off somewhere and I would try to listen to the monks chant and I would sit and meditate and you can just sit there and it's, it's just really amazing. I really enjoyed meditating in temples in the middle of uh, Bangkok. It just gave some, I mean, this is just me, right? Probably with my foot flops on, take them off. Go into the temple, sit down cross-legged, close your eyes, and uh, just take it in for a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, it gave me some sanity in this big, crazy city. And, of course, you got to get a massage. All right. Um, take the overnight train up to Ayutthaya. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And continue your journey to Chiang Mai. Learn about elephant conservation. Please don't ride the elephant's and go to a place that you have checked out uh, that really 
that rescues these beautiful animals. And finally, end your trip in Krabby. Um, down, go on a long tail boat, do a little rock climbing and enjoy this country. It's, it's pretty incredible. Stunning, stunning cliffs in this area. Vietnam and Cambodia. These two countries are often visited together because of their proximity to one another. Uh, I would fly into Southern Vietnam's Ho Chi Minh City, also known as Saigon. You can cycle through the countryside of Mekong Delta, uh, catch a flight to Cambodia, visit Siem Reap, Angkor Wat. Get off the beaten path in Cambodia because that country is still unspoiled in a lot of places. Amazing place for solo travelers on a budget. Uh, Indonesia also, uh, we benefit from a great exchange rate if you're coming from the United States or other Western countries. Indonesia has become world famous for the unique culture on the island of Bali. Uh, Again, try to get off the beaten path here in Bali. Uh, I would not suggest going to Seminyak and Kuta. Really uh, can be quite a party place. Lots of big bus Chinese uh, tourist attractions and um, party place for Australians. But if you get into the rice paddies like up outside of Ubud, it really is uh, amazing. And there's just so much culture to be had. Um, to be experienced rather. Uh, but I would go to the island of Java. I might skip Jakarta. I spent a few weeks in Jakarta. It wasn't my favorite city, um, but I would definitely check out Yogyakarta. Uh, there's 500 Hindu temples in this temple complex. Uh, the Sultan of Yogyakarta's palace is something you must go and do. Uh, try to get out to the Julie Islands or Lombok. Um, and again, try, try not to contribute to over-tourism in uh, some of the places, especially during peak season, which you're talking about July and August. All right, uh, moving through the rest of the world, trying to keep this short. Australia, right, is an amazing country as well, about as big as the United States. Don't quote me on that. Um, but it would be a good place once you get there for a first time traveler because English speaking, right? Uh, and not a lot of culture shock has the comforts of home. It's one of the most expensive countries in the world, uh, but it is possible to do it on a budget. Uh, you, of course, in Sydney, you have the Opera House, Harbor Bridge, the fish market, you have Brisbane's Gold Coast, um, some incredible sand dunes, Mission Beach, the Great Barrier Reef. This is making me want to go and uh, try to get to the center of Australia where they have a national park and you can understand the significance uh, to the indigenous people. New Zealand, if you've got the time and the money, uh, head to New Zealand and try to get to the South Island. I would fly directly to Christchurch to explore uh, the ecotourism capital of New Zealand. Take that transalpine train journey. It's one of the top train journeys in the world. Uh, get to Franz Joseph's temperate forests. See that Wanaka tree. Uh, Whew, the national parks out there, Rob Roy Glacier, make your way to Queenstown, learn about the Maori. Uh, it's an incredible country. I can't wait to go. I have not been to New Zealand yet. All right, Africa and the Middle East. Uh, some people have apprehension about this area, especially 
with the culture shock and uh, people trying, people being quite aggressive in some areas, trying to sell you things. Um, I've heard that about the country of Jordan and uh, as well as Morocco. And uh, definitely females are, are more apprehensive to go here, but if you can find a way to go or bring a friend or you're brave, it's not, uh, the places that I'm, I'm listing are not overly dangerous, uh, just a lot of them are intimidating. So uh, flying to Marrakesh, right? There's palaces, beautiful squares. You're thinking about scenes out of Aladdin here. Um, try to escape the city to the high Atlas Mountains for some hiking. Ride camels in the Sahara Desert uh, and, and up and down the dunes, right? If you can go to Egypt, another incredibly culturally rich place, as I'm sure you already know. Pyramids of Giza, the Sphinx, go down the Nile River on a Felucha sailing boat, uh, ride a camel in Luxor Valley. Whew, just understand the ancient history uh, of this incredible place. As a little teaser, I am putting together a Jordan itinerary for under 30 experiences at the moment. Uh, fly into Amman and wander through Rainbow Street uh, down to this famous mosque, travel to Wadi Rum, and stay in a desert camp run by the desert dwellers, uh, visit Petra, see the seven world, seven pillars of wisdom. I can't wait to get to Petra myself. Another country that I would love to get to, we are moving much down the continent to Tanzania. Uh, I would visit Zanzibar on the Indian Ocean, known for its spice trade, incredible beaches. You have elephants, giraffes, lions, leopards in Mikumi National Park. Uh, there's another national park in, in the Serengeti with zebra, wildebeest, rhino. And if you're hardcore, uh, get up Mount Kilimanjaro. All right, Kenya from Tanzania. I would get to Kenya, to Nairobi for a wildlife safari. Uh, safari. Understand the local culture of the Maasai people to their national reserve. Lake Nakuru, I hope I'm saying that right, where you have the best chance of seeing the big five animals, lions, leopards, rhinoceros. <laughs> Wanted to say rhinoceri. Elephant in Cape Buffalo. And bonus points if you get to Uganda to see, to see gorillas. All right, finally, South Africa. This incredibly diverse country has the big five animals that I just listed but you also have Cape Town, Johannesburg. Uh, you have the coast around Cape Peninsula, Cape Point Na Nature Reserve, the Cape of Good Hope. Take the cable car up to the top of Table Mountain, uh, Robin Island, and see where Nelson Mandela spent time in prison. Uh, really tons of history and um, recent history to understand. That concludes the section on where to travel. Now I'm gonna wrap it up uh, with some tips here on how to make this happen for you. All right, passports and visas. So a lot of countries you can 
be automatically admitted under visa free travel. My best advice is just to Google where you want to go and if you need a visa, depending on what country you're from. So if you do need a visa to a place like India or China, you can use Visa HQ or CIBT to do the paperwork for you. If you don't have a passport yet, uh, I would get on this as soon as possible. Um, you should probably do it by mail. Unless it is an emergency, then you can do it in person. You can expedite it, but it still may for take four to six weeks. And not having a passport doesn't mean that you cannot travel. You can still have a warm-up trip, go domestically, just get started, just book something. That's what I would suggest. So finding the best flight deals, when to book flights. It's safe to say the last minute deals on flights aren't what they used to be. Normally, airlines jack up the prices to take advantage of people who are traveling because of an emergency or having their company pay for the flight. That being said, look to book two to three months before your departure date. According to a cheapair.com airfare study, your prime booking window for international flights is two to three months away from your departure date. And for domestic flights, your prime booking window is three weeks to three months in advance. In general, you don't wanna to book too early or book too late. When to fly. According to kayak.com, travelers planning a week-long domestic trip should depart on a Saturday and return on a Monday to score the cheapest airfare. For international week-long trips, we recommend departing on a Tuesday and returning on Wednesday to save some money. Obviously, it's a good idea to avoid holidays. Solo travelers should look to fly when other people don't want to. Uh, when I was younger, I had more tolerance uh, for pain and sleep deprivation, I jump on any 6 a.m. departure or red eye that I could. All right, the best websites for booking flights. Love to tell you that there is a secret to finding great flights, but it's actually pretty simple. Find a flight booking engine that you like and then check individu individual airline websites who may not work with the search sites. So my two favorite, Google Flights and Skyscanner. However, Southwest, for example, does not work with Google Flights or sites like Expedia to keep the prices of the flights down and avoid paying them commission. Delta is also withholding some flights from these aggregators for the same reason. Apps and newsletters for finding deals on flights. If you're looking for great deals on flights, then consider signing up for a newsletter like Scott's Cheap Flights. It's, a full, it's full of daily deals departing from your city, and I had an awesome time learning from Scott and my interview with him on the Millennial Travel, uh, for the Millennial Travel Guidebook on the Millennial Travel Podcast. All right, accommodations for solo travelers. Staying in hostels. I suggest staying in hostels if you're traveling alone. Why? Because in your Airbnb or in your hotel room, you're probably not gonna meet other people. Of course, you can meet other people if there's a host present at Airbnb, but hostels these days can be just as cool as any trendy coffee shop. Uh, they have nice little 
bars, some of them have co-working spaces. It's just a common environment to meet other people and you meet people from around the world. You get to talk to them about, hey, where are you going? What have you done? What would you suggest? You get all these firsthand tips. And uh, you know, a lot of us probably think of hostels as dirty, a lot of drunk people, random hookups. Uh, the dorm beds, etc. But you can book your own private room. Um, I would especially suggest booking a private room perhaps on the weekends when things are busier, when people are rowdier, when people are partying, and then maybe book uh, a shared room during the week uh, just to kind of hedge your bets and get a little bit better uh, sleep on the weekends if that's important to you. Uh, let's see what else for safety purposes female solo travelers should probably pick same-sex dorm rooms instead of mixed gender rooms just eliminates any chance uh, for weird things going on and uh, yeah that being that being said always just be aware of your surroundings and here's a little quick tip know that if you walk in off the street it's customary in most countries that I've been to anyway, for you to ask to see the dorm and for you to be in this. So they'll show you, hey, here's what our dorm looks like. And you can also ask how many people are in there. So if it's a six person dorm and there's only one other person in there, well, then uh, you might want to consider, oh, okay, yeah, it's not, might not fill up tonight. However, uh, especially for female, you want to watch out for that as well because now all of a sudden you're with one other person. So just, just some things to consider for safety. All right, camping. If you're looking to experience the great outdoors and stretch your travel budget, I highly recommend camping. I have friends who, when they travel, they only camp so that they can spend way more on other things like activities and food and drink, the things that are important to them. So uh, I would bring along a tent uh, when you travel and that just gets you a few extra days or maybe try to uh, camp camp on the weekends, like I said, and then stay uh, it, with a roof over your head other days, just different ways to make your budget last longer. Plus. Camping is an amazing experience, so I, I highly recommend at least, uh, yeah, at least trying it out. If you've never camped, we have a great beginner's guide to camping. You can uh, get that on the Under 30 Experiences uh, blog. But spending time deeper in the wilderness, I mean, it's just amazing. You're alone under the stars. Uh, just make sure to tell someone where you're going when you'll return. This might be out of your comfort zone, but challenging yourself is, you know, one of the rewards of solo travel. So if you're traveling in an RV, you can try van life. Uh, you can rent a camper. There are public and private campsites. Uh, one thing I should mention is that in Europe, uh, you can pretty much camp on just about anywhere. Um, you know, it's it's a lot better if there's a farmer or something. Yeah, you should probably knock on his door and, and at least ask him, but it's not like in the United States where they're gonna come out in a shotgun and tell you to get lost. So um, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, there's a term called boondocking, which is for RVs and campers. And a lot of these people decide to sleep in Walmart, Walmart parking lots. Um, not my ideal campground. That's 
for sure. But if you're on a tight budget, you're trying to find a place, a free place to stay. Uh, yeah, you can you can consider it. And of course, another person who I've interviewed on the Millennial Travel Podcast is Casey Fenton, the founder of Couchsurfing. So check out their community if you're looking for free places to stay. All right, Airbnb. Probably everybody listening to this knows about Airbnb, but I always sort by unique stays. I look for nature lodges, organic farms, teepees, yurts, tiny houses, boats, all sorts of really cool stuff that you can find on there. And um, yeah, I, I just love to stay in, in unique places that really adds value uh, to the trip. Make sure that, as I mentioned before, if you want a helpful local around, uh, it's a good way to meet people. You can, you can just get a shared room. Um, I usually rent an entire place and have it to myself, so I have a quiet place to work, uh, especially if I'm traveling with family. But um, yeah, Airbnb—it's no secret. Uh, yeah, it's no secret by now. But really, really underrated, I think, is the local experiences that you can have. Uh, and then there's hotels. Hotels are my least favorite option. We try our best at under 30 experiences to select boutique accommodations that are locally owned, not the big box chains like Holiday Inn that you'll find in every country, but uh, we want the money to go to a local person, to a local family, not to a corporation, back to Wall Street, uh, etc. And um, yeah, if you're doing, it, if you do stay in hotels, try to avoid the large chains if you can. Keeps the money in the local area, and you know there's nothing like. Uh, let's take the Hampton Inn for example. If you go to the Hampton Inn in San Jose, Costa Rica, and I have stayed at this Hampton Inn because it's right by the airport, and sometimes that's your only logical, easy choice. It's the exact same one that was near my grandmother's house in Sarasota, Florida. I mean, it's just it's just an exact replica of the same hotel, the same art in the elevator, that silly golden retriever with the sunglasses on, if you know what I'm talking about. So why travel anywhere if you're gonna see the same thing? That's just my opinion. However, if you're staying near the airport, looking for your place to rest your head, you're just flying into a city for a night, you just wanna push the easy button, you want to know what you're getting hotels are, are great and sign up for the major rewards programs you got marriott bonvoy which was formerly known as starwood you have hilton wyndham rewards ihg and then you know just like the airlines there's a bunch of different uh hotels that fall underneath all of those uh, rewards programs so with some uh, credit cards like American Express Platinum, then you get uh, access to some you know, platinum status and, and stuff like that. Or maybe it's gold status. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going off the article now. But uh, yeah, that can be helpful. But usually it's not a huge deal to be really honest with you. Sometimes you get to skip the line, which is nice. And that is that has helped me out. Uh, yeah, enough times anyway. So other ideas for where to stay as a solo traveler. Um, you might be looking for a free place to stay in exchange for being helpful. You can, of course, volunteer at hostels. Uh, that's very common. Get to a place, you like it, you want to stick around. Okay, ask the hostel if they need anybody to work uh, for room and board or meals or whatever. Um, 
I highly suggest volunteering at an organic farm, uh, one like Rancho Margot in Costa Rica. I know many people who have volunteered there. I would highly suggest it. Uh, there's the Woofing Network, the worldwide opportunities on organic farms. There are also sites like WorkAway and GVI, which are trusted volunteer programs. Just keep in mind when you volunteer abroad, uh, you want to do the most sustainable activities as possible. And there's a lot of scams out there. I go into this in great detail in the Millennial Travel Guidebook. So if you're interested in volunteering, uh, yeah, you'll want to, um, you really want to know your stuff. It's like giving to an organization, except you're giving to your time. You want to do your due diligence. Uh, and then one other opportunity, if you like to take care of plants and pets, check out Trusted Home Sitters. Opportunities all over the world to stay. All right, final things to consider as a solo traveler. Transportations, planes, trains, and automobiles, right? They're all options, but which should you pick? As a solo traveler, we urge you to consider your impact on the environment while maximizing the amount of fun you have on your trip. For this reason, we always recommend taking public transportation wherever possible. Trust me when I say you won't have much of a cultural experience riding around in an Uber Black. The real travel experiences occur rubbing shoulders with the people who live in a place, whether it's on a local bus, train, ferry, tuk-tuk. Sure, road trips make sense when you have your own car that you already pay for, but please be careful if you choose to drive around a country alone, take frequent breaks, especially if you're renting a car in a country where you don't know the rules, the language, etc. especially driving on the other side of the road. Uh, I've done it enough times to tell you all it takes is to make a left turn into the wrong lane and be in a head-on head collision. I will tell you that it's almost happened to me. Um, let's see. Yeah, just I can't recommend trains enough. Gaze out the window, write in your travel journal, chat with the people around you. I know chatting with people around you is scary, but um, you know, this is traveling is about getting outside of your comfort zone, especially if you're doing it alone. Tra going on trains is one of the most stress-free, eco-friendly ways to travel. Finally, if you do need to take private transportation, we don't have time or uh, you don't want to take public transportation because it's late at night. You can opt for a ride-sharing app like Uber, Lyft, Southeast Asia has uh, Grab. Of course, you know what you're getting into. It's just safer. Um, <laughs> there's just, yeah, you're digitally tracked. You don't have to mess with the local currency. The drivers get background checks in a lot of these places. The cars are usually vetted. Um, and yeah, taxis and motor taxis can be a lot of fun. Just use your intuition, stay safe, make sure they're not driving you around in circles or driving you where you didn't want to go uh, because that happens all the time. And finally, travel insurance. Before you go, it's important to consider booking travel insurance. I have a big section on this in the Millennial Travel Guidebook as well. Most tour operators and group travel companies will require you to book at least $200,000 in travel insurance coverage. It should cover personal injury, medical expenses, luggage, repatriation, and evacuation expenses. If you're going to travel solo, I would consider World Nomads or Wanderwell. 
you can get the links uh, for this on the under30experiences.com solo travel guide. And the most important thing to know about travel insurance is that you'll want to book it as soon as possible after you book your trip. That's way if you're that way if you're injured before your trip, you'll be covered. If you book your trip, then break your leg before you book your travel insurance, you will not be covered. And finally, if you're consider, uh, concerned about future coronavirus outbreaks or something like that, uh, which COVID does qualify as a known pandemic in the eyes of travel insurance companies, then consider booking cancel for any reason insurance. So this way, if something happens, then you can just cancel. Um, but this is not available in all states in the uni United States. All right, everybody. Uh, again, if you're looking to deepen your knowledge, uh, you can check out the Millennial Travel Guidebook, Escape More, Spend Less, Make Travel Priority in Your Life. Thrilled that you made it through this podcast here on the Millennial Travel Podcast. And thank you so much for listening. If I can be helpful to you, uh, reach out, matt at under30experiences.com. Thanks a lot.